which has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. Morning, everybody. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Christ the King. I'm glad that you are here. Uh, in the center of every core, of every church, is a core of people who are committed fully to Jesus Christ and the mission that he's placed on our hearts. And, and, and people often have a love affair with Jesus, but they often struggle with his bride because his bride is made up of people like us. If you know my story, you know, I, I've always loved Jesus, but I, there have been times when I have a problem with his girlfriend. That's just the bottom line. And over the next couple of weeks, we've been doing this series, and we're going to continue to do this series, and you need to know what the agenda is straight out so that we're not doing a bait and switch. At some point of this series, I'm going to ask you, challenge you to step into the center circle. The center circle of loving Jesus, but also loving his bride. In fact, I'm going to get so particular as to say, I'm going to challenge you to love this part of the bride, and to commit and be able to say, I'm in. Now, the reality of today is I should be preaching this message to everybody who's not here, okay? But by the very fact that you're here, you actually already get this. And so I don't want you to think that I'm wasting your time. What I'm going to ask you to do is this. Because you already get what I'm going to talk about and you already get it, I'm going to ask you to, to take this message and to preach it all the people that are not here because they need to hear it because they're not here. Are you confused? Okay, good. Let's go. All right? From the very beginning of time, God has gathered his people together. God kept calling his people in groups to gather in different places to basically ask them a simple question. Are you in or are you out? In various times and various ways, God was always calling individuals, the individuals that make up the body of Christ, to put their individuality aside and become a part of a larger gathering. Because God knows there's something unbelievable that happens when God's people get together, when they just come together as a family. God knows there's something about putting all of our lives together and being a part of one body, one voice, one church. And over history, the gatherings have changed. In your outline, I kind of broke them out for you. I called it the evolution of the gathering place. But it actually started in the garden when God called the man that he created. And then he created this, this beautiful partner to go alongside of him. And he called them together in the garden. That's where God said for the first time, it's not good for man to be alone. And that, that principle still pervades our community today. After meeting in the garden, God called people together at what was known as an altar. A pile of rocks on which sacrifices were made, animal sacrifices. If you're, if you're a PETA type person, you should love Jesus even more because when he came, he gave a sacrifice once and for all, so we don't need to do that animal sacrifice thing anymore. But he called us together at that altar. It was also a place where memories and milestones were remembered. And then it shifted into this portable building known as a tent or a tabernacle. God had his people build a portable gathering place that they could take with them and then set up and worship him. And that place became permanent 
when God instructed Solomon to build something known as the temple. It was a glorious structure. Being able to stand on the foundation of it to this day is an amazing thing. You could just understand the architecture and what Solomon actually pulled off. But Solomon built this huge, humongous building, and then he asked a question in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. He said, but will God really dwell on earth with humans? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I have built. Solomon knew God couldn't be contained in a building But that the purpose was actually for God to not reside inside of a building, but to have a place where he would connect deeply with his own people. Over the centuries, God called his people to to gather in a synagogue, the Bet Knesset, a gathering place. And then when Jesus came, died on a cross, was resurrected on the third day, and then actually left and gave us the Holy Spirit and ushered in this beautiful season of the church, God began to gather his people in any place that was large enough to hold them. Because Acts says that that there were times when they added 3,000 people in a single day. That's a pretty significant growth movement. The Bible says this about the original church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And each day they continued to meet together in the temple court. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So the church began to gather in the big, in the temple court to experience the impact of God's people together, but they also gathered together in the small to experience the intimacy of what it feels like to be known and loved by people that you know and love. That's why we gather this way, temple court on the weekend. And we always encourage you to gather in a small group because I'm going to tell you something. You cannot experience true Christian community sitting in one of these chairs, staring at the back of somebody else's head for 60 minutes a week. It's just not possible. Today, the church gathers in cathedrals and church buildings, but the heart and the purpose is still the same. God keeps calling his people back to himself. He says, this connection matters. We need to be together. But over the years, because uh, of the way these gatherings have morphed, there have been a couple of church myths that have showed up. And I know most of you people know this, but I'm just going to throw it out there anyway. Here's a couple of church myths that probably need to be blown up once and for all. Number one, that the church is a building or a meeting. Okay? Not true. Not true. The church can meet in a building, and it can have a meeting, but that's not the church. In fact, let me make it perfectly clear. I'm looking at the church right now. And you're looking at a part of the church, even though this one has a microphone strapped to his head, okay? This is a family. This is a church. We are together, which kind of blows apart the second myth that we go to church because that's where God is. Actually, God is everywhere. God transcends location. So you can come here to church to worship God, which is absolutely fantastic. But make no mistake, you can worship God in your car in your backyard, at the lake, on the mountaintop, in the coffee shop, at your place of business. You can, you can experience God anywhere and everywhere because God is anywhere and everywhere. Now, here's where people get in trouble because they start doing the wrong kind of math and they begin to think to themselves, well, if God is everywhere and I'm the church, what in the world do I need any of this stuff for? Why do I need a band? Why do I need a TV? Why do I need a an immigrated Canadian with a microphone strapped to say, man, I don't know why I need any of that kind of stuff. Why? Why church? 
Let me tell you, that's a great question. That's a great question. But let's answer that objection. The objection that ultimately says, I don't really need to attend weekend services in order to follow Jesus. Because the truth is, well, you really don't. You really don't, except for the fact that Jesus said, actually, you do. Actually, you do. And because Jesus is the head of the church, when he says, actually, you do, we should probably listen to that, even though we may have an objection. Okay? I would answer the objection with the following reasons that actually come from the one that you're following as a disciple, because God would actually say, "Uh, no, actually, this is really, really, really important. So, this is why it's important that we gather together as a church. Reason number one, it's for survival. It's for survival. Throughout the centuries, people who decided to follow Jesus often did so at the risk of their own lives. In the first century, when someone became a Christian, they were choosing between life and death. It was really that simple. So those who made that choice, they chose to be together out of sheer survival. And we've seen that over history. Whenever pressure comes from the world, the church does something. They gather. They gather because they need support, because they need encouragement, because they need to know that somebody else is all in. Last week, I laid out the difficult call to following Jesus. I mean, I laid out the seven statements of Jesus that make most people swallow really hard and go, is that really what Jesus asked me to do? In fact, I am absolutely ecstatic today. I didn't know if anybody was going to come back. I mean, those seven statements are pretty bold. They're pretty blunt. Each one of those statements, though, each one of those unreachable standards that makes us all understand that we can do any of this alone reinforces the truth that isolation And following Jesus are not compatible. You've heard me say it before. I'm going to say it again. Church is a team sport. It's a team sport. We have to do this together. Whenever we're challenged or dismissed or pressured, God calls us together. And in these days, I think we can see it, right? We're challenged to back down, be quiet, and be politically correct. We're dismissed as irrelevant. We're pressured to conform because the world thinks they've got a better way of living. And so in these days, with all of that going on, it's even more important that we gather together every single week because it's so vitally important for all of our survival. Now, here's some difficult truths that I want to speak to those of us who think we can just isolate and be okay. Because here's what your Bible says. You won't survive on your own as a Christian because you have a call on your life that's too difficult. That's why you can't do this alone. I mean, what Jesus asked us to do is impossible to do alone. We need God's help, and we also need the help of our spiritual family. We need each other to survive the call of Jesus that says this in Luke chapter 9. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. So there's something about coming together where we can actually look each other in the eye and say, are you in? Are you in? Because there's something beautiful about hearing somebody else say, yeah, I'm willing to say, pay the same price that you are. I'm willing to stand up. I'm willing to stand out. I'm willing to do something different and even stand in the face of modern culture if that's where Jesus calls us to go. Secondly, we need each other to survive because like it or not, you have an enemy that's too cunning and malicious. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but there's someone out there who wants you to fail as a follower of Jesus. 
And the enemy of our souls will actually press back against us to try and take you out. In fact, I had last night, we're gathered up here at the front to pray with people. And I was talking to I hear this all of the time. And this has been the hardest week ever. I felt like every time I turned around, there was just this pressure pushing back on me. And I'm just like... Satan doesn't pay attention to people who are no threat. So if you're experiencing some opposition, good. Press in and press towards the cross. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And if you're not experiencing any opposition, you should probably ask yourself some hard questions. 1 Peter 5.8, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 2010, I got to go uh, with a group of pastors with Compassion International to Africa. And on the last day, they blessed us with an opportunity to go on a real African safari. Never ever thought I'd get to experience anything like that in my life. While we were there, there was the migration happening of African buffalo. If you've ever seen an African buffalo, I mean, they are huge, massive beasts. They have kind of horns draped over top of their head. And they kind of finish with a little bit of flair. I mean, but they are scary, intimidating looking animals. And they are there by the thousands. And I watched their herd every day. They moved together, drank together. They crossed crocodile infested waters together simply to survive. And one day we're out for a drive early, early, early in the morning. And I saw something I hadn't seen the previous day. The herd was over here. And sitting over here, there were two African buffalo all by themselves. And I thought, that's strange, because I hadn't seen any of them on their own. So I asked our guide, who was a Maasai warrior, I asked him, I said, so uh, what's up with those two over there? This was his answer. He said, Grant, their individuality got the best of them. They challenged the wrong bull, now they're out. And they're exposed. He says, and what you can't see? Because your eyes aren't wired to see it. He goes, in the grass right behind them is a pride of about 30 lions. I'm going to bring you back here tomorrow and you're going to see two things. Blood and fur. And we went back the next morning and that was all that was left of those two buffalo. When we isolate, we are easy picking for the enemy. We need each other for survival. We need to be able to come to a place when we can gather together in one voice and declare our dependency on Jesus. We also gather to remind ourselves that we have a mission that's too big. I mean, I don't know if you've listened to the mission of Jesus in the last couple of weeks, but here it comes again, Matthew chapter 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. I mean, I come to this place on the weekend. I show up like every six days because I need to be reminded of something that's a little scary. We are plan A and there's no plan B. That's what we are here for. I need to be, need to be reminded that we've been called to that kind of mission and it seems almost impossible unless you factor God in, which is kind of a cool thing to do. I need to be reminded that I've got a spiritual family who's going to watch my back, who's going to correct me if I step off in the wrong direction. I need to be reminded that I'm not alone. I mean, in fact, I'm going to be honest with you. Every once in a while, I need you to say the words, I'm in. I need to hear it. You hear it from me. Sometimes I need to hear it too because as a family, corporately together, that voice matters. You know, we not only gather for survival, but we also gather for meaning. 
I mean, believe it or not, we didn't come up with the template for services on our own. We're actually just trying to be obedient to what Scripture says. We've designed our times together to be times of deep connection and deep meaning. So I know most of you may know this, especially at the 930. But I want to remind you why we're here. What we gather for. Scripture says when we gather, we're here for encouragement. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on or encourage one another on towards love and good deeds. We gather together to encourage each other. Your presence actually encourages the other people in the room as we say to each other, keep going, don't give up, keep praying, keep serving, keep giving, keep loving, keep admonishing, keep walking alongside of other members of your church family. Why? So we don't grow weary and lose heart. We actually need that together. I need that encouragement. Hopefully you need that encouragement. Secondly, we gather for the reading of God's word. The Bible says this, 1 Timothy 4, until I come, the Apostle Paul speaking, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. So we come here every single week to read the Bible and hear the Bible, and learn the Bible, and proclaim the Bible. Because we actually believe the Bible is still true to this day, and that every single one of us needs it all the time. Can I get an amen from the early service? The Bible is still so unbelievably relevant. And according to this scripture, something happens when we actually read the Bible out loud. I'm not sure why, but something happens when we read the Word of God out loud. Let's try it. The Bible says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. And he's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, he might have the supremacy in all things. And all God's people said, I mean, there's something that just happens when we read the word of God out loud to each other. Do we need to read it privately and quietly? Absolutely. But should there be a time when we proclaim the word of God out loud? Absolutely. Why else do we gather? We gather for corporate prayer. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. There's something that happens when God's people bow their head, close their eyes simply to concentrate, and with one voice pray and ask God to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or even imagine. Let's try that too. Would you pray with me? Jesus, would you allow us the honor to be your church? Would you allow us to be a church that gathers to worship and then scatters to do your mission? Jesus, we want to be your hands, your feet, your voice, your eyes. God, we want to be your body in this place, in this county. God, we want to live out the audacious thought that revival could break out in Whatcom County 
and ripple across this country and change the direction. God, we want to be a part of the solution, not just a part of the problem. So would you use us, Lord Jesus, and may any good that comes out of us, may it bring praise, honor, and glory to your name. All God's people said, amen. We gather to pray together because it matters. Let's keep going. We gather to worship through giving. The Apostle Paul is talking to a little church and basically saying this, here's what I need you to do. I need you guys to be disciplined financially because I'm going to show up eventually. And when I get there, um, I don't want you to have to take an offering or anything like that, but here's what I want you to know. I need you to put aside a sum of money on the first part, on the first day of every single week. And then when I show up, I'm going to take it, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to bless somebody else with it. 1 Corinthians 16. Now, for the, about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up. And then he basically says, so that we don't have to worry about the financial stuff when I get there. And the reality is, every single one of us have been blessed. Sometimes we forget, though, and we take it for granted. Can I remind you of something? You get to go to church in a room and sit on a padded seat with a coffee cup holder. <laughs> That's my brother, all right? He is not a morning person. I know that. That's true, right? We've been blessed. Why? So that we can be a blessing. It's not so we can go, wow, do you see our seats? Have you ever checked out that seat? That's a comfortable seat right there. You know, we got various widths. We got coffee cup holders. That's an awesome thing right there. Look, yeah, you should come and check out the seats of Christ the King. That is not the purpose. That's not the purpose. We've been blessed in order to be a blessing. So I want to encourage you. At the end of the service, you hear me say that some of you could quote the script, right? We're going to bring the service to conclusion by giving back to God our tithes and our offerings. If you're a guest, please be our guest. We don't want anything from you at all. Your gift to us is the fact that you actually showed up today. This is just an opportunity for God's people to put God first financially. And we pray that we will give joyfully, sacrificially, and regularly so that we can continue to bless other people and continue to do ministry. You hear me say it every single week. And you know what? We mean it. We mean it. Why else do we gather? We gather to praise. Listen to these words from Colossians 3. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. I mean, we're supposed to come together to praise. I don't care how lousy your voice is. You should sing. You should sing because God is good and you're still breathing. That's got big enough reason to praise Him today. Listen to Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It's He who made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. So enter His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. We're supposed to praise God because of His faithfulness. So we gather to praise. And finally, if you need another reason, we gather out of sheer obedience. Hebrews 10.25. Listen to this. 
let us not give up meeting together. That's pretty clear, right? But I've got other priorities. Let us not give up meeting together. But I don't think it's that important that I'm actually there. Let us not give up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. Because it's an easy habit to get out of, isn't it? Come on, let's be honest. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let's encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day, meaning the day Jesus Christ is coming back to get his bride, as you see that day approaching. God said, gather. Pure and simple. You want to know why we show up with startling regularity every six days? It's because God told us to. It's because God told us to. I love this quote. One of my favorite writers is a guy by the name of Hugh Halter. He likes to do paraphrases of scripture. And he says this. He's paraphrasing what God said through the prophets, Isaiah and Amos. But he says these words, speaking on behalf of God. I'd love to hear the worship and the sacrifices if it really meant that much. If it cost that much. Or were integrated with lives that are transformed. I don't mind my people meeting together, but make it count for something bigger. My hope and prayer is that this is not a tradition, that it's not a ritual, but that we actually come together because it matters. Because we actually want something more, that we're looking for something bigger. So just to remind you, this is not for us or about us. This is about Jesus every single week. And I'll remind you of something else. You don't have to be here. You get to. None of us have to be here. We get to gather with other people who love Jesus so that we can make his name famous. So that we can stick together. Let's add one more. We gather for belonging. Ephesians chapter 2. Here's what the Bible says to, to everybody in the room. So you, now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens along with all of God's holy people. You're members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself, and we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Okay, I don't want this to become that legalistic deal, right? Where, you know, if you're not in church, there's something wrong with you. Now, I'd like to turn it into a... Now, once again, this is not a have to, it's a get to. But I want you to know something. When you're not here... We miss you because there's gaps in the wall. Your brick matters. <laughs> because together, we knit together to create this unbelievable holy temple. If we stop gathering, there's holes in the wall. And God doesn't want any gaps. But don't do it out of guilt. In fact, can I just encourage you some weekends? The best thing you could ever do would be for, to go for a long walk alone in the mountains with Jesus. Some of you need that space, and it's a beautiful thing to do. But don't get in the habit of ditching church. Because God says it's important, not only to you, but to everybody else sitting around you. When it comes to belonging, I'd like to say this to you. You belong here. And I don't care if you're following Jesus from up close or if you're following from a distance. I don't care if you've had all of your questions answered, if you've got so many questions you don't even know where to start. I just want you to know you belong here. 
We want you to belong here. As a follower of Jesus, you belong to him. And as a member of his church, you belong to each other. And I know there are some people here, you're just like, Grant, you have no idea who you're inviting to be a part of this family. If you saw my life, you saw my resume, you would think that person is too dysfunctional to fit in. Well, let's just blow that myth out of the water, okay? This is a big dysfunctional family, so if you're dysfunctional, you're going to fit right in with all the rest of us. And we are so glad and honored that you're here. Timothy Keller said this, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved, that's our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved, well, that's a lot like being loved by God. We want you to be fully known and fully loved. That sounds like a family to me. So I'm going to close with this. In my opinion, there are three parts to a great weekend service. And they're not great music, an inspiring video, and hoping that the guy up front gets it right. Those are not three elements to a great weekend service. In fact, I would break it down this way. We start with God's part. Do you know that God promised to show up every single time we gathered? God said, if you gather, I will show up. I will show up in ways that you can't even wrap your head around, but I promise if you gather together, I will show up every single time. So we gather to worship, and then we scatter to be obedient, to be salt and light, to change the world by providing the world with this collective light that happens when the light of the world reflects off of those who've also been called to be the light of the world. So there's God's part, and He does it every single time. And then secondly, there's our part. So I'm going to draw a line. Don't like drawing lines. I'm going to draw a line kind of right here in front of the preaching platform. Is a leadership team, those who are up front here, we want to do our part. My wife asked me the other day, Grant, what's one of your goals for the fall? I said, I want to preach better than I've ever preached before. I want to study harder than I've ever studied before. I want to bring more spiritual meat to the people of Christ the King than I've ever served up before because I think God deserves it and I think this church family deserves it. I mean, I want to do my part. I need you to know, Andy, Ryan, and Catherine, they want to do their part. They want to create a worship atmosphere here that draws people to a place of true intimacy. Todd and Frank, they want to inspire you to be a part of a greater vision than you ever thought was possible. We want to do our part. We want, to experience, we want you to experience something. We know you can experience intimacy in your small group. When you come here, we want you to experience an impact. An impact that happens when a large number of God's people get together in a room and say, God, what in the world do you want to do with us this week? So there's God's part, there's our part. I guess that just leaves your part. You being here matters. It really does matter. But I'm going to tell you something because I've been doing this for almost 27 years. <laughs> you won't always love what we do. In fact, there are some weeks where you're going to walk in the door and go, I have no idea what that was about. I didn't like the songs. I didn't like the video. I didn't, the, Grant, like, whew, missed it. Strike one, right? That was horrible. I have no idea who that was for or what those guys were thinking. I promise you, there are weeks when you're simply not going to, you're going to walk out of here going, that was, that was not for me. But here's the attitude you need to have as a church family. In that moment, you need to turn on a dime and say, 
that was not for me. But praise God, it must have been for somebody else. Because this is not about us. So Jesus, thank you that the songs were for somebody else today. Thank you that that video spoke to somebody else's heart. Thank you that even though Grant struck out in my, in my book for somebody else in the room, it must have been exactly what they needed to hear. God, thank you so much that you are so much bigger than what I need and I want and that you actually care about your family. You know, this is the tension every week when it comes to your part, right? Am I going to be a consumer or a contributor? Am I going to walk in the door going, is anybody going to look after me? Like, how's this going to affect me? Is anybody going to give me anything? Is anybody going to look after me today? I mean, I just want to, to, to just beg you. Try one time walking in with a different mindset and walk in saying, what can I contribute today? What can I contribute? Can I contribute a smile to somebody else who maybe has not experienced any human kindness for the whole week? Can I be that person? Can I contribute my voice together as this great choir joins their hearts together and sings at the top of their lungs? Could I, could I play a part in serving? Could I serve kids? Could I serve middle school students, high school students? Could I serve as an usher and a greeter to make sure that everybody's got the perfect place? Here's what I want for you. I so don't want you to be a spectator and sit in the stands. I'd like to invite you to get on the field and play. Come and be a part of it. I want you to be able to say, I'm in. I'm telling you, church, I'm in. But I'd like to invite you to join me there. We fight against individualism here for the sake of Jesus because that's what our Bibles tell us to do. You know eventually there's, there's going to be an ask, right? Like, you know, Grant, you're pushing us towards something. Yeah, I am. I want to invite you to join this team and own the mission of Christ the King. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. Because here's what I know. There's a lot of you. You've been visiting for too many decades. <laughs> what are you doing? Visiting? How long have you been here? 14 years? <laughs> You know who that makes you, right? You know, you're that obnoxious uncle that shows up at Christmas time, you know, and nobody knows what to do with them. It's like, are you part of this family? Really? Oh, interesting. Only see you once a year, but that's okay, you know. I've been going through the core commitments that we ask people who actually own this mission. And there's a question from our core commitments that really got me thinking this week. The question is this, am I consistently, and you'll notice it doesn't say perfectly. There's no perfection, right? Am I consistently attending corporate worship gatherings? When I can, am I here with my family? Not just so I can be a number on a chart or take up a seat, but because of what I want to contribute to the family of God in this tiny little piece, this insignificant little piece of God's kingdom. Ultimately, I'm going to ask you the question, are you in? Or are you out? If I would have had my way this week, uh, we would have pulled off uh, Christmas Eve. <laughs> I didn't have enough time and enough candles. Those of you that have been here for Christmas Eve service, you know what I'm talking about. It's my favorite moment of the whole year. I look forward to it every December the 24th. Because we hand out candles, and at the end of the service, 
We sing silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. To actually say that in August seems just weird. <laughs> One of my favorite Christmas Eves was the year when Braden was about eight years old. And as a father, I sent my son to the center of the room with a candle. And people came from all of the different quadrants and we just started lighting candles all over the room. And the glorious victory that night was we didn't light anybody on fire. It was awesome. <laughs> a lot of hairspray Christmas Eve, I'm just saying, okay? <laughs> we breathed a sigh of relief. But I sent my son into the center of the room because I wanted everybody to know. That's what it was all about. The light of the world actually making a difference. Well, I didn't have enough time for candles, so I'm going to ask you to do something that I will never ask you to do again, I don't think. Uh, if you have a cell phone, could you pull it out for a second? So just pull out your cell phone. I have a picture of my wife and daughter on my cell phone, and Laurel's gone for the weekend, and I'm missing her terribly. So it's like, oh, that's cool. All right? So just pull it out. Um, if you have a flashlight function, can you turn that on? Yeah, there we go. If you don't know how to do that, ask a seven-year-old. They'll, they'll help you out, okay? <laughs> or just your illuminated screen is going to do something. You know what we do on Christmas Eve, right? We have that moment when all the candles are lit, and I ask everybody, can you do me a favor? Just hold your candle up as high as you can, and the whole room just illuminates all the way across. And then I say, now do me a favor. Can you put it down as low as you can, and the whole room just goes dark? Because that's what happens when the light of the world decides not to shine. Your light matters. We're looking around right now and you can't really see mine, right? It's not, that, it's not that important. It's not that impressive. But when the darkness falls, it matters. So Gabe, can you just take us all the way down? There you go. Everybody, all the way up. <laughs> just hold them up. Keep them up there. Keep them up. Keep them up. When the light of the world shines in the darkness. Darkness loses every single time. Every single time. When the family of God gathers with their little tiny lights and we come together, even dark places shine. So may the light of the world bring you back every six days to be a part of His glorious grace. Would you pray with me right now? Father God, we feel small and insignificant, but you said there's so much more. So God, in this moment right now, I pray for my brothers and sisters. As they contemplate once again, last week after we talked about discipleship, this week after we talked about your expectation for this body, God, I pray that we would all be able to say together, I'm in. And amen. So, Father God, thank you for this day. In this summer, as we slowly wrap up, I pray that you'd call the family of God back to you. Not for the sake of filling a room, but for the sake of worshiping Jesus. And we will give our hearts to that. Because we are your body here on earth. We have a divine mission. God, may it be accomplished.
in your good time and in our lives. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said.